after the service. Just check our website for those platforms, whether it's YouTube or podcast. It's, it's all there for you, okay? But, um, all right, we're making downhill progress to the end of Ephesians. And today we're concluding this aspect of husband and wife and this mystery in this union. And, uh, well, let me just start with a, an illustration like this, that I think for... For us men, and I mean, I'm just being general now, uh, we, we are rather impressed, we're rather impressed, to, to say it the least, um, when any person is able to somehow take an alien object and, and get over the awkwardness of it and do something great with this alien object. You know, if it's tennis players, okay? We're rather impressed that they can take that racket and it's, it's as if that racket is part of them. They just, know, they, they just know exactly how to hit it underhanded or overhanded. They, they're just a golf stick, okay? We're rather impressed. I'm impressed with Rory McIlroy. Did you see his hole-in-one this week? Okay? I was rather impressed. It's like, they make it look so easy. They make it look... If, if I were to take any of those objects... It would be very awkward, okay? I haven't spent enough time to kill the awkwardness. I'm not disciplined in it. And so there's a great distance between me and that object. Um, and it's not going to impress anybody when I pick up those objects, okay? But we get impressed because that awkwardness is gone and it's just natural for them. It's just natural. They get up there, quaka, and it all just works. It all just works. Now, it's, it's not a great illustration. It falls far short of a marriage. But men, today particularly, your love for your wife should be natural. Okay? It's, it's, it's got to be so natural. And what Paul is going to bring to mind, what God is going to bring to your heart, is to motivate that naturalness, that instinctiveness. Okay? It, there should be no awkwardness to it at all. And if it is awkward, then take this word to heart. Look at it. Don't stop looking at the contrast that's going to be made today. Because that's going to break the awkwardness. And your love for your wife will just flow. It will just flow. Spiritually, there will be a connectedness, an intuitiveness, that it just works naturally. So a puny illustration for sure. But... God's intent for marriage is to be that united that it's one. It's one. It's one. Two people, one. Intuitively, naturally, obviously, spiritually. And in that oneness, in that oneness, there is something profound that is being communicated, that is taking place. And that will also get to in our passage this morning. But I, I want to read it, and then we'll pray, and then we'll get right into it. Okay, so Ephesians chapter 5, and I'm reading from verse 28. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man 
shall leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. And just so far, may God bless the reading of his word. Let us pray together. Father God, we come under your word this morning. Your word reveals you, it reveals your heart, it reveals your will. Tell us, God, we are ready. We are ready, we are listening, we are open. And I pray, Lord God, you would draw near to us through this word. We are dependent on you, we are humble before your your word is over us, and we are under you. And in this disposition, may your Holy Spirit bring about life-transforming power. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. So it begins again, man. Part two. The women only got one part, okay? Because they're quick learners. The men get it twice. I'm going to be a little bit brutal with us because I'm a man and I feel a bit more comfortable preaching than I was preaching two weeks ago when I was speaking to the ladies, okay? So if, I shouldn't get too out of hand, but let's, let's take it where it comes. All right. So it says for the second time. Now, why would Paul want to, let's just pause it. Why would he want to emphasize a second time? Because God's got something for us, men. Okay? This is from God, Clark. Alright? Just in case you missed it the first time. Who's speaking? God is speaking here. Alright? So take two. We're listening. Alright. Verse 28. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives. Ought to. Why else would he double emphasize this? I'm just thinking off the cuff here. Men, if your loving was better, would the submitting be better? Of course it would. If your loving is better... The union is better. The oneness is better. This, the, this mutual submission gets better. I mean, think about your relationship with Jesus Christ. I mean, Jesus Christ, he, it, it comes with instructions and it comes with motivations and, you know, and, and, you know, some rules and new habits, new priorities, new rationale. It does all that. And that, that helps our submission to Him. But what really, really moves us to want to submit more? His love. His love. It's refreshing. It's fresh air. It's renewing. It's the love of Jesus Christ. And we're undone. We just melt. Right? We just melt. And that mercy of Jesus Christ softens the hard heart. So, I mean, the, the instruction, the, the truth, the doctrine, that all instructs, yes. But the love, the love does so much. And similarly, husbands, loving your wife better will make things better. Loving your wife similarly will have a, a similar scope and a similar scale. Okay? But why else is Paul reiterating this? Because there is something significant, something deep, something foundational, something real, real, that's taking place in this oneness with your wife. 
there is something of purpose taking place in this oneness. And it, it ought to become more obvious. Now, if it's not obvious, it's going to become obvious in the contrast that he's going to give us. It's going to become very obvious what this oneness does for us fundamentally and what this oneness spells out. Okay, but I'll leave that to the end. What is really taking place in me loving my wife better and my wife submitting with me? What is really happening? Okay, so peg that on the board. We'll come back to that. But let's get to the contrast that Paul points out for us men to get it. Okay? We ought to get this loving our wife stuff. What's going to help us love our wife? Well, he says there in verse 28, ought to love their wives as their own bodies. As their own bodies. So, the analogy is yourself. I mean, you can't miss this. We love ourselves. Do we not? Now, let me say that we... It's not saying we just love ourselves like we're going to go over to our bodies and the way we love our bodies, that's the way I'm going to love my wife. It's not two separate things. She is your body. She is your body. You've got to get this. This is what's going to motivate your love. So, how do we love? We don't even think about it sometimes. Our body has to eat. We make sure it eats. Our body has to sleep. We make sure it sleeps. Our body has to exercise. <clears throat> we make sure it exercises. <laughs> Our body needs comfort. We make sure it has comfort. Correct. Some of it unintentionally, some of it, I mean, we just go through the day loving our body without even thinking of it. But at another level, hmm, we plan to love our bodies. It's a priority that we eat. It's a priority that we exercise. It's a priority that we meet the needs of our body. Right. Your love for your wife is that. And it's all of that. And this is what's going to bring the muscle to your love. That men, we need to get this. A second time. Get this. That as you love yourself, so you love your wife. So you love your wife. She is your body. There's no space between you and the wife. You are one. In God's mind, you are one. As you love your body, so you love your wife. It's oneness. There's no space between you and the members of your body. You are inseparable. Inseparable. Not distinct, not separate, not different. Totally, totally one. And that idea, that principle, that principle is what's going to motivate the love, support the love, promote the love, make it clear to man. Oh, love my wife, duh. Love my wife like I love my body. Ah, she is my body. I can really see it ticking over. She is my body. 
She's inseparable from me. Inseparable. In one with me. Okay. So there we've broken the ice of this contrast. She is my body. Now he develops it a bit as we read on. Verse, end of verse 28. He who loves his wife loves himself. Okay, we got that. Oneness. Verse 29. After all, no one ever hated their own body. So he goes, in the universe, there is no man, no man, who hates himself. There is no one who, whose body... When they see something coming quickly, the mind will tell the brain, don't worry, let it hit you in the face. The body is not going to do that. The eyes are going to tell the brain, you need to flinch, you need to close your eyes, you need to duck, you need to do something because your body, it loves itself. You love your body. If the floor is full of glass, your eyes are going to tell your brain, which are going to communicate to your feet, caution. Care, balance, you know, if it's slippery, caution, care, balance, hands out, you're going you're gonna to fall. The, the man loves his body. The body loves, it's going to protect. If it's a sharp light, the eyes are going to close. You know, it's no one on earth has a body that doesn't work like that. No one on earth. Everyone's body works like that. Man loves his body. You're going to take if there's a hunger, you're going to meet that need for the stomach. If there's an injury, you're going to meet that need to rehabilitate it. Unless, unless you're legion, hmm, in Matthew chapter 5, and you're full of demons, and you're taking stones and cutting yourself until you bleed, unless your name is legion, there's no man in the world that does not love his body. Everyone's body is going to work like that. And so men, similarly, similarly, the contrast should help you love your wife. That as your body loves itself, so you love your wife. I mean, no one ever said to themselves, you know, you look awful. Oh, yes, I know. I'm working on it. I'm actually pulling my nails out of my fingers. And I'm trying to hit my cheek until it splits. And I'm trying to pull out all my hair. And I'm trying to just be awful. No, no one says that. That's a universal principle. Okay? Alright. Then he says, no one ever hated their own body, comma, but they feed and care for their body. Mm. That's a universal principle. They feed and care. The, the, the term there is compassion, affection. I mean, that, that is, might as well be our Noah's Ark preschool motto. Feed and care. That, that'll sell. That'll sell. Huh? <laughs> Feed and care. That's, that's the obvious. Everyone does it. We, when it comes to our bodies, we feed and care. It's not like... You know, the guy who goes to the lion park. Hmm? Oh, here's one. He goes to the lion park. He's got this big stake. He chucks the stake over the fence to the lion and walks away. Is that, 
That's not how we would describe feeding and carrying our bodies. There's love in feeding and caring for this body. There's attention. There's a plan. Sometimes there's high cost. In fact, it's, this is high cost <laughs> to feed and care for this body. No one hates their body. Everyone feeds and cares. That's obvious. Is that obvious? That's obvious. Your love for your wife should be that obvious. It's that obvious. Okay, I'll get it. So the question comes now. How natural is it for you to care for your body? It's very natural. Some of us don't even think about it. And if we do think about it, we might have a good plan for how we look after our bodies. So friends, equally, your love for your wife, equally, your love for your wife. It should be that obvious. That's how one you are. That's how united you are. That's what this is. That's what this marriage is. Second question. I mean, how intuitive is it for you to, to shower, uh, to feed yourself, to clothe yourself? So, spiritually speaking, how intuitive is it for you to think how do you feed and clothe and strengthen your wife spiritually? Equally. It is equal. She is your body. She is your body. Now, in one sense, this can just happen naturally, and it ought to. It ought to happen more naturally. It ought to happen more intuitively. But sometimes it might need a plan. It might need some promotion. It's going to need some thought. Men, love your wife as if it is your body. She is your body. Love her like you love your body. Love her like you love your body. How do we do this? How are we motivated to this? You keep this in the forefront of your mind. I don't know if you woke up this week. Don't, not Mother's Day. On Mother's Day, we probably think like that. Okay? Or your wife's birthday. You know, something happens. Something kicks up a gear. Okay. It should be kicking up every day. Because as you love your body, you love your wife. And the more you understand that, it makes that love stunning. Remember, this is the life that Jesus wants to bring to us. This is the salvation grace that we've received. It makes your love for that one stunning. As you love yourself. As you don't harm it. And as you feed it. As you avoid anything that would hurt it. And protect it. Similarly with the wife. As you shepherd it, so you shepherd it. So soak yourself with this imagery. Preach it to yourself. Keep it before you all the time. Good day and bad day. Men, she is your body. And whatever you're doing for the body, equally so for the wife. Intuitively or whatever it is. She is inseparable. If your arm is hurting, do you cut it off? Obviously not. If your arm is hurting, you're going to rehabilitate it. 
So when your wife is hurting you, are you going to cut it off? Obviously not. She's a member of you. She is your body. You're not going to, what's the word, decapitate it. She is your body. It ought to be obvious. She cannot be just cut off. She's inseparable. Because if we see our wife anything else, if we see our wife as a roommate, you know, over there, my roommate, the love won't be equal. If we see her as an object, something separate, the love won't be equal. But she is your body. Your, your eyes are precious to you. Huh? I need to take more care of my eyes. They're precious to you. Your wife is precious to you. Your little toe will tell you how precious it is when you hurt it. It's precious. I still have a bruised little bone here. It's one little bone that's bruised here. And when I turn the steering wheel, I'm reminded, there's a little bone there that's still bruised. You know? It's not something I just take out and replace. They're precious. Our hands, our ears, it's all precious to us. Every finger. Everything's precious to us. Even my hair is precious to me. It's becoming more and more precious. <laughs> so, husbands, equally, your wife is precious. Amen? Amen. Precious. Everything about her is precious. Everything is valuable. Everything. You protect her. You love her. You care for her. You clean her, as it says, with the word of God. You dress her. That's the oneness that God defines your marriage as. So dwell on that oneness. Dwell on that oneness. Think on that oneness. Preach that oneness. Remind yourself. That's why God's speaking twice. Right. So it carries on. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body, just as Christ does the church. That's the other comparison. There is a person who we know is Jesus Christ. His love for his body, how would you describe that? Can we even describe the love Jesus has for his body? It is divine love. It is perfect love. It is sufficient love. Amen? There is a oneness with Jesus and his body. And what God has joined, no man will separate. Praise God. We are counting on... We are counting on that what Jesus did for the body is sufficient to carry us for eternity, are we not? We are counting on it. We believe it. We put our faith in that. Not one sin will unhinge us from this oneness. It is set. It is fixed. It is done. And every day that oneness becomes new for us. When we ask for more forgiveness, 
that oneness becomes new. When we express forgiveness, that oneness becomes new. When we give, when we're charitable, when we're compassionate, when we're generous, when we're loving others, that oneness becomes new. We've experienced both sides of this oneness as a benefactor of oneness and a recipient, a beneficiary of this oneness. And whether you're the beneficiary or the benefactor, we still experience this oneness. It's wonderful. God uses us and we still don't feel used. Do you feel used by God? We give everything to Him. Our time, our money, our energy. We've, we've given our life to Him. And guess what? You don't feel used. Well... Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loves the church. They give everything. They don't feel used. Amen? All right. And if it's falling short of that bar, and it's a high bar. It's a high bar. Friends, they put this contrast before you. She is my body. She is my body. No one hates their body. Everyone feeds and cares for their body. She is my body. Just as, and if that comparison doesn't help, look a bit higher, as Christ loves the church. That's the bar. As Christ loves you, you love your wife. As He fixes you, as He forbears with you, as He's patient with you, as He forgives you, so the conduit continues to the wife. So I don't mean to point down on Don't get me wrong, ladies. <laughs> Luckily, there's no video. <laughs> okay? That conduit goes... That's God's design. She is my body. And just as Christ... Considers his members precious. Are you precious to him? Every single member is precious. And that's the ability of God. That God has all these children and can love one as if that is his only child. That's the capacity of God's love. It is so great. He nourishes us. He doesn't neglect us. It's constant. It's compassionate. He's transcendent, but He's imminent. When we're hungry, He prepares a feast. When we're limping around, He doesn't say, suck it up. Ugh, leave Him to Himself, He'll sort Himself out. He's protecting, He's comforting, He's strengthening. Even when we don't know what to say to God, His Holy Spirit intercedes for us. Christ is interceding for you right now. Even when you don't know what to say. Such is the love of God. We are members of His body, it says. Now, how on earth... Did we get to such a view of oneness with God in His body 
and its benefits, its glory, its graces. Friends, we only see in part now, but one day, what will happen? Christ is going to marry this body. It's, we have, I don't even know what I'm talking about. One day it's going to be super glorious. Super glorious. That day is still to come. That perfection, that kingdom, that paradise is still, that love. I mean, how more perfect can Christ's love get? We haven't seen anything yet. This perfect love is still to be revealed to us perfectly. Perfectly. One day. Now, how do we, I mean, how did we get up there? Okay, what is Paul thinking? Now he says in verse 31, For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. You know what's in Paul's mind all along? All along, in, in just telling husbands and wives and, and how they are to relate to one another with this gospel at the center, all along, Paul is now pointing to what God intended all along. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, he's quoting Genesis 2, 24, where God spoke to Adam and Eve and said, all right, the two of you become one flesh. Right? This is the oneness that Paul had in mind. Before Paul, when anyone read Genesis chapter 2, all they would think about is marriage. And marriage being significant. You're born with an identity, a relationship to mom and dad. I mean, that's pretty critical. That's pretty fundamental. I mean, you can't so much change that. You know, that's like rock. You're born with that, my relationship to mom and dad. But when you marry, you've got something that trumps even your relationship with mom and dad. You and this other individual become one. You become something bigger. Your oneness, her oneness, together, together, sharing your distinctiveness, trumps your relationship with mom and dad. It becomes something so significant. How is it? You leave mom and dad, and you become one. You become one. That's what's in Paul's mind. This oneness that God intended for marriage... God intended for something else. God intended that to point to something else. And that something else is, it says in verse 32, I'm talking about Christ and the church. So that you're loving your wife and your wife loving you. Good days, bad days, happiness, legacy, children, Whatever that turns out to be, it speaks of something much more profound. And that is Christ's oneness with the church. It was God's intent all along to demonstrate, how does He tell the world how He loves His people? He tells the world how He loves His people through how a wife and a husband love each other. And so you can immediately... Apply that to yourself and think now, obviously, if they don't get it, men, if you don't get it that she is your body, that's how united you are. If you don't get it, all right, not only will you hurt and she hurt, but you're then 
mitigating the, the world knowing God's love. You're mitigating it. You're, you're casting a shadow. You're blocking it. God wants everyone to know. It's not a mystery anymore. It was a mystery until the New Testament. Now it's not a mystery that Jesus has a body and He loves this body. And Jesus is the head of this body and we're one with Him. We are one with God. We are one with God. And the, and the, in, the exchanges in this is glorious. And Jesus wants the world to know that. And your marriage is a reflection of that. Your marriage is communicating that. It is glorious and it is painful. Well, so was the cross. It is glorious and it was painful. It is both those things, as Tim Keller tells us. It is both those things. But both those things achieve awesome things. Amen? Did that achieve something small? Did that achieve anything? You know, something redundant? Something futile? No, it achieved for us a great salvation. And so, same friends, your marriage is both painful and glorious. Guys, we've got to get this. We have to understand. If you're just looking at your wife and you're not looking at her like your body, you're not looking at her like Christ loves the church, there's going to be a great distance between you and her. And it's rapidly going to increase the space. I mean, any argument, any disagreement is going to be another step away. And another step away. And another step away. But you hold before you that she is my body. Christ, as Christ loves the church. And you immediately, quickly, quickly, bring that space together. Bring that space together. Or to be no space. Why? Because she's your body. You're not going to cut your arm off. So you're not going to cut her off. You're not going to take an eye out. You're not going to take a toe off. You're not going to move anything. You don't want any distance in your body. Right? You don't want anything lost. Not even hair. Nothing must be lost. So similarly, man, nothing must be lost with my wife. Nothing. Amen? Nothing. Disagreement, disharmony, difference of opinion, a different personality, a different upbringing, a different approach. Whatever it is, nothing, nothing, nothing. I will not lose any of her by the grace of God. Amen? Now, now you're coming closer to, closer to, what Jesus has for the church. Nothing separates us from Him. Nothing. Now, it's like God said, I want to invite you into how it is with me, my Son, and my Holy Spirit. Let me give you a taste of what this love is like. Get married in covenant with me. The selfless, sacrificial, but very beneficial love. Pain, but glorious. Sacrifice, but blessed. A oneness. Now, we have a taste of that trinity. And men, that not to be a mystery anymore. It's obvious. I hope it's become more obvious that your love for your wife is like your own body. That is obvious. And what we must make less 
what we must also make obvious is Christ's love for the church. Now, I don't know, but it wasn't for me. I have to admit it. <laughs> we had other reasons for getting married, good reasons for getting married. One of them wasn't. So I can tell Jesus about, uh, tell the world about Jesus. I want to I show the world what Jesus does for the church. <laughs> but Ephesians 5 tells us that is why you got married. You got married because you want to tell the world what Jesus has done for his people. And so there it is. That's the thing I was talking about in the beginning. That's the fundamental. That's the rock. And when you're married 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, 60 years, 54 years, that doesn't change. Everything else changes. Everything else changes. But that doesn't change. That is permanent. That is forever. And that's why Jesus hates divorce. Because it... it totally goes against the oneness that he has for his church. It undermines everything that God is about. It breaks that and shatters that. God is all about taking sinners, saving them, marrying them, and committing himself to them forever and ever and ever. That's what he is about. And being intimate with them. All right. I know I've gone over time. Please forgive me, friends. But let's just close this with some application. And I preach to myself as I do to everyone here this morning, too. It's not easy preaching when your wife is staring at you, right? <laughs> Whew. Okay. All right. Men, just keep it before you all the time. Going forward, she is my body. There is no distance. She is my body. Keep it before you, what Jesus has done for the church. Never lose sight of that. Shepherd your heart, especially at an argument. Especially when there's distance, and there will be. It's like holding a broomstick up. you, you just got to keep navigating. And keep watching, keep looking, and keep that broom up. Right. But favor her. Feed her, nourish her, care for her. You're not throwing meat into a cage. You're feeding her like your own body. When there's weakness, you don't cut it off. You rehabilitate. You strengthen it. When there's weakness, you don't aggravate it. Scratch it open again. You cover it. You rehabilitate it. Like your tender eyes. You protect it. Look at how Jesus was. Don't look at how Jesus was with the Pharisees. You look at how Jesus was with his disciples. Don't look at how Jesus was with the Pharisees. Look at how Jesus was with his disciples. Pray. Pray. Pray that your spiritual love will be intuitive. It's just going to flow. It will be natural. Effortless. Not even awkward. And maybe that prayer will have to be preceded with confession. Maybe it's... it's I never even saw her as my body. 
It's over there. I just never... Now you know. But this is why. Fundamentally, at the bottom of it all, this is a profound mystery. But I'm talking about Christ and the church. Each of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Let's pray.